Hey guys, and welcome to Hunting Land, presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. If you like to stay up to date on hunting tactics, land management, land values, and land market dynamics, this is the podcast for you. This week's show is brought to you by Pyramid Air. Pyramid Air is your go-to resource for all things air gun. Whether you want a CO2 air pistol for your son to go planking or a 50 caliber air rifle that you can take on your next big game hunt, it's their goal to help you enjoy your gun. Shop online or call them toll-free at 1-888-262-4867. They offer a 30-day money-back guarantee, live online chat with seasoned shooters, and a state-of-the-art tech department ready to help you fix, upgrade, or tune your air gun. PyramidAir.com. Big selection, fast shipping. The air gun experts. Find them at PyramidAir.com. And also, Alabama Ag Credit, as the local experts in rural real estate financing, they can help you with everything from homes and land to tractors and crops. Because sometimes natural resources need financial resources. And while some lenders don't get it, they do. Learn more by visiting alabamaagcredit.com. Clint, I, I was up at my place just a couple of weeks ago doing a little bit of work, uh, messing around, moving some shooting houses, as we call them down here in the south. You know, I guess up, up north they call them hunting blinds or hey, who knows what those Yankees are talking about up there, man. But whenever we are thinking about putting in a new shooting house, I'm always thinking about like making sure that this is going to be something that is going to stand the test of time. And we're going to be able to put people there and make them comfortable. I really like using shooting houses, been able to get my wife into hunting. I got two young boys trying to get them into hunting. And the first part of that is always everybody being comfortable you guys got any plans this year to put some more shooting houses on your places? I know you're always moving things around and developing new places to hunt. Yeah, right now I've got the need for probably up to about six or seven right now just to try to have places to take the family and get the kids into, you know, without having to worry too much about keeping them out of sight and sound. You know, I think budgets, of course, always a consideration in anything you want to do on your property. But man, there's so many different new designs out there for shooting houses and hunting blinds that today's show, we're really going to devote that to thinking about the construction, uh, what size you really need, the kind of materials you need to be thinking about what you need to do with your windows, whether you're elevating them or not really, you know, is this going to be something that you're going to put on your property that's going to add value to your property over time and increase the amount of time you spend hunting because that's really what it's all about being able to spend more time out in the woods get more people out there uh, and I'm always thinking too I don't know about you but whenever I'm putting a property on the market if it's got r- really nice hunting blinds on it I'm factoring that into the uh, the valuation of the property I'm, I'm sure you're doing the same thing yep absolutely yep so today uh, our interview is going to be with Kevin Cloda he's with Bruiser Farms and MB Ranch King hunting blinds Kevin Tell me a little bit about how you get into selling shooting houses, man. I'd, I'd like to hear this story. I actually have a background in wildlife. I got a master's degree from the University of Florida in wildlife ecology and conservation. And I bounced around to a couple of different hunting properties kind of all over the Southeast, worked on a place down in Florida, a place in Kentucky, some places out in Texas. So from there, what I started doing was looking at uh, getting into the sales aspect of stuff for products like blinds and, and firearms, archery equipment, all that kind of stuff. Because I, I dabbled in that when I was in grad school. I had a, a couple of jobs as an archery technician just to kind of pay my way through through grad school. And I found Will Bruiser, uh, who owns Truckworks here in Alabama. He was selling these blinds. And what he told me was 
he bought a place and high fenced it uh, in central Alabama. And what he did was when he bought the place, part of the reason he bought it is there was a blind on one of these backfields and he really liked it. And he figured out that, you know, obviously he's going to have to tear down all the old rotten wooden blinds that had, you know, were falling apart and was going to replace them. He wanted everything to look the same, be high quality stuff. And he got with the previous landowner uh, and asked, Hey, who makes this blind? How old is it? All that kind of stuff. Previous landowner told him, Hey, it's, it's made by MB ranching. They're out of Texas. They're made of steel. They're bad to the bone. Uh, if you call them, uh, that's how you, you get these blinds. Um, so he called and said, Hey man, I've got this place. I want to outfit the whole thing, feeders, blinds, all of it. What do I got to do? Uh, and the guy said, the best way to do it is to become a dealer. If you become a dealer with me, I don't have a dealer over there currently. Uh, once we get you on, on board, we we're not, we're not going to look for anybody else, but we'll bring you on. You got an option to continue to do this year after year, all that kind of stuff. And basically that's kind of how we got started. He called MB Ranch King, got on board. And after that, really and truthfully, how he kind of grew the business was everybody who came hunting with him were super impressed with the blinds and all they wanted to do was, was buy them from him so that they could hunt out of them as well. And that's kind of how he's done it for the past couple of years. He brought me on to try to grow it a little bit, and build it into you know a bigger thing over here in the Southeast. Yeah. MB Ranch King based out of Texas. And that's a cool story because what I'm hearing is that it was demand driven as opposed to just, you know, Hey, I decided one day I'm going to go out and sell shooting houses. And, you know, I really went and looked and, this was the one that had the best margins or this was the one that, you know, I could sell for the cheapest or whatever it may be. It was really people saying, I love this thing. I want more of these. Can you get them for me? That drove it, which I think is a testimonial in and of itself. But, you know, talking about hunting blinds, I think there's a lot of folks out there that are either this time of year, we are either repairing blinds, we're cleaning them out, we're doing whatever we got to do to get ready for the season. And, if you're thinking about adding a new shooting house to your place, the first thing I'm thinking about is, is the sizing. Like what kind of floor plan am I going to have here to make sure that we can fit the amount of people we want to fit to make it easy enough to get it around the property and that kind of thing. So take me through a little bit about the thought process of different size shooting houses and what you're going to need floor plan wise to be able to hunt a certain number of people comfortably. I don't know about you, Clint, but I mean, most of the time, if somebody's hunting in a shooting house on our place, it's, I would say it's more often than not, it's two people together than it is just one. It's a, it's a dad and a son or a husband and a wife. We know that just about any size shooting house could hold one person. So what sizes are going to be best, Kevin, if we want to step up to two people, maybe even three or four people in the case of like, I don't know, like me, I've got a wife and two, two young boys. I'd like to uh, us all pile in there someday and uh, be able to see one of them shoot their first deer. Well, you guys heard that, there's a storm coming through. <laughs> um, so when you're looking at, at sizing stuff, depends on how many people you want in there. We've got a little bit of everything. We Our smallest standard blind is four foot by five foot. Now you can fit two people in there, but you got to really like that person. Uh, it's it's going to be pretty tight and it depends on how much material and stuff like that you take with you, how much gear to determine whether or not that's the right size for you. The next size up would be our economy series blinds that go from four by six and then you got five by six and you got six by six. All those will easily fit, you know, two people. And the difference in size is really the depth of the blind. So if you have to take more gear because you've got like a small child and they have to have their iPad and they have to have 
three different bags and all that kind of stuff to keep them entertained the whole time, then, you know, you may want to upgrade to the five by six, the six by six, just to have it. Now, once they get to about toddler age, like you were saying, if you wanted to take your wife and one of the kids or, or both kids at the same time, that five by six and six by six, you'll have enough room until they get to be probably fourth, fifth grade where they're about 10 years old. Uh, you may need a little bit more room to get all everybody in there, but we also have bigger sizes in our insulated series. Um, we got six by six, six by eight, six by 10, eight by eight. And then we even have um, what's called the accommodator, which the biggest standard size or the standard sizes in the accommodator are 10 by 10, 12 by 12 and 14 by 14. And most of the time, the people that are you know, given looking at those are your outfitters who are looking to take, you know, a, a six to eight people at a time hunting with them. That way they can all sit on one big field and all look at, uh, every deer that walks out there and determine whether or not it's something that they want to go after. That's pretty cool. I, Clint, I was uh, over at Southern Falls with you when you were selling that and they had some of those giant shooting houses out there uh, able to pretty much have a, sound look like had a, a boardroom inside some of those places. That was a poker table, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> well, but yeah, you know, let's I mean, go for that. Boardroom. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know, so that, I mean, the thought process though, is that you got to be able to fit everybody comfortably. It sounds like depth plays more of a role than width and being able like to, to maybe bump up if you want to call it to two and a half people, you know, if you're trying to use it for kids, you can probably get away with just adding a little more depth as opposed to having to go wider, that kind of thing. What about headroom, man? I have been in some horrible, horrible shooting houses. I'm six, five. So headroom tends to be a, a troublesome topic for me, but I've had to get into some shooting houses that I didn't know if I was going to be able to get back out of. Uh, with half doors and just all kind of crazy stuff having to crawl up in there. So where, where does headroom play in the construction and the floor plan? Yeah. So on our economy blinds, uh, the walls themselves are six foot tall. So the ceiling inside is a little bit over six foot. I'm right at six foot. I can stand up comfortably. I know you're obviously a little bit taller than me. You may have to slouch a little bit, but the vast majority of the time you're going to be sitting down. So at the end of the day, it's not the end of the world. In our insulated blinds, the ceiling is seven foot. It's a pitched roof because of the way that it's, it's built. We've got two inches of foam insulation, the floor, ceilings, all the walls. And then it's got stained, sealed, three-eighths inch pine on the interior walls. And it's got a pitched roof inside there. It looks really nice. You can actually put a chandelier in some of the big ones if, you, if you're into that. Uh, so, yeah, it's got, it's got plenty of headroom because it's seven foot. I mean, if you're taking a seven foot tall dude hunting with you, then you need to introduce me to Shaq. But, so, I mean, yeah. but it sounds like y'all basically, I mean, you have what the most common needs are, but also if somebody wants something really out there, really wild, that they've got a special need, y'all can also customize. Yes, we do custom stuff all the time. Well, you know, talking about floor plan, I mean, next, my thought process is, is materials and the actual sure. construction. I mean, this year, thank goodness, you know, we're starting to see a little bit of decrease in, in lumber prices, but wood has been at a premium this year uh i know that's probably held a lot of people back from doing any kind of wood projects out there so what do y'all use you mentioned steel earlier take me through a little bit about the the construction and not just your construction but like if somebody's in the market for a shooting house what do they really need to be looking at if they're if they're comparing say a ranch king versus another kind of blind or they're looking at wood construction why do y'all build y'alls the way that you do so the short answer to that is, is basically what Mark did whenever he was going through the design process is he kind of put his head together with some friends of his and figured out what everyone else was doing. And then he said, how can we make that better? 
And at the end of the day, the vast majority of our competitors use uh, either fiberglass, plastic, or some sort of composite. We don't have a lot of people that actually build out of wood and sell them mass production wise. Now, the reason that we chose steel is because steel is awesome. It's used in everything construction wise. And the reason is because it's not ungodly expensive. It's heavy duty. It's sturdy, all that kind of stuff. So our blinds don't have any exposed wood. Part of the reason we do that is because, I mean, you know, as well as I do, squirrels like to chew on stuff. And if they get hold of wood, they're going to chew holes in it and they're going to use it to build nests and all that kind of stuff. Whereas ours, since we have no exposed wood, they can't chew on our blinds. So they're not going to create any holes. They're not going to build nests. They're not going to do anything like that. And one of the other things is if, you know, I'm over here in Alabama, so we get storms through here all the time. I was actually in Tuscaloosa when that big tornado came through back in 2011 and stuff gets knocked over from these storms. And with a steel blind, most of the time, if it hits the ground, even if it's eight, 12 feet off the ground, it's not going to be a catastrophic accident. You can usually take, you know, a rubber mallet and get it back to where it looks decent. But as long as all the windows and doors open and close properly, then you don't really have much of an issue. Whereas some of our competitors, you know, if, if it's made out of plastic or fiberglass, if that thing falls from that height, you now have a very expensive paperweight on your hands because all the seals are done. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm always thinking about longevity. I've said it on here before. I'm a, I'm a buy once, cry once kind of guy. And I'm, I want to buy something that's going to stand the test of time and, but also be a better experience throughout the process of, of owning it. And a lot of times when you find that thing, no matter if you're talking about a vehicle uh, or shooting house or whatever it may be, there's a premium on the upfront cost, but I've, I've ne- really not ever found a situation where when I bought quality, uh, I wasn't happy with it in the long run. So talking about that construction again, you know, that's some of the materials. What about windows? I think that that seems like uh, on the shooting houses that I've been in where windows were involved, that seems to be the first thing. I mean, all of them work to an extent, it seems like in the beginning, but that's the first thing to start going wrong. They either get out of square, they make noise, you know, they, they lose their seal. What do y'all use for windows and, and why? So our glass, it's glass windows. Uh, but the biggest difference between us and most of our competitors is that our windows slide up and down versus a swing open or um, another type of opening mechanism. And part of the reason we went with sliding glass windows is, you know, glass helps you know more than plastic does uh, with sealing and whatnot. But when you slide that window open, you don't have to worry about a glare. So with a swinging window, if it's sitting on the edge of a field and you've got the sun beating down on it, when you swing that window open, I mean, everybody's seen it with their phone. When they move their phone and the light hits it perfectly, you see a glare run across the window or side of the wall or something like that. Well, the same thing's going to happen in your hunting blind. And if you're sitting out there and, you know, big chungus is sitting out in front of you that you've been hunting for a month and a half, and it's the first time you've seen him not on a camera, uh, and you swing that window open and that glare runs across the field, Big Chung is going to go run across the field too. Yeah. And as far as noise is concerned, you know, everybody tries to claim that their stuff is, is silent and this, that, and the other. Well, I, I kind of caution anybody saying anything in the woods is silent, especially in that last 30 minutes of legal light. I mean, you raise your hand, your jacket makes noise and that deer can run off. So ours are very quiet. And, you know, part of that is how quickly and you know slowly you open the, the window to try to minimize that. But our windows will lock all the way open, they'll lock all the way closed, and they lock about a quarter of the way open if you don't want to have the thing open all day. 
uh, you can keep it about quarter of the way open just enough to get the, the gun barrel out. Dave, talking about windows, I see a lot of horizontal and vertical windows on shooting houses nowadays. Do y'all do both styles? I mean, why would somebody want to choose a, a vertical window as opposed to horizontal? We do. So we've got what we call gun windows and then we have bow windows. Now, some of our competitors do a much more narrow window that's, you know, three, four feet tall uh, versus us. We just do the same width window. It's just a taller window. Now, uh, some of the drawbacks to that is, you know, sometimes you may get silhouetted in one of those really tall windows. You know, if they're looking at you through that window and they see you move, you know, obviously they're going to take off. So by keeping that window not quite as tall, it minimizes your chances of being silhouetted. But you also have options on ours to get them tinted or to put shades or blinds or anything like that inside the blinds. You could also, you know, just go to Home Depot or Academy or wherever and buy some burlap or mesh and hang that up inside the blind if you needed to. Yeah. You know, I, I think about shooting houses and I, like I was saying earlier, I'm thinking about trying to be comfortable. You know, maybe it's on a t- particularly bad weather day, but also it could just be like, you know, I like to invite my my parents. They're, you know, in their seventies. I, I like to get them out there and, and bring them out on, on the place and let them go eat, just watch deer sometimes. And getting into shooting houses can be a struggle for people of all, for all different reasons. I mean, I think about some of the ones I've been in over the years that had completely vertical ladders that you had to climb up in, you know, and basically it was pretty precarious to get in and out of some of these shooting houses. And I've been in others that had, had steps, you know, steps and platforms and handrails and uh, made it a lot easier. How do y'all manufacture your, your platforms and your towers? So uh, again, all of, all of our stuff is made of steel. Our little buck, is the only model that doesn't have a platform at the top. Uh, That one has a ladder that goes up to the door, but the new models do come with handrails on there to make going into and out of the blind a lot easier. Uh, Our economy and our insulated blinds, as well as the accommodator, all come with a full staircase with textured treads so that, you know, when you walk through the woods in the early morning hours, your boots are going to get wet. Uh, it's wide treads with texture on them. That way, when you're trying to walk up the stairs, you, you have less chance of uh, slipping and sliding. And then you have handrails on both sides of the ladder. That way you don't have to move gear to one side so that you're making sure you're holding the rail with the one hand on the one side where the, the handrail is. Uh, and then at the top of the staircase, you have a platform, which the platform helps a lot uh, because when you're opening that door, it gives you a spot to stand and then allows you to open that door freely without having to worry about banging it on anything. It, safety is, is a paramount thing when you're doing anything, especially when hunting, you don't want to, you know, try to climb a tree and then fall and then hurt yourself. Cause then you're not gonna be able to hunt for a while. And you may be scared to go back out there again later on in the future. Those are called verandas or porches. <laughs> yeah. You stand up there to, and just overlook your domain before you step in. Look at my kingdom. Yeah. Everything the light touches, right? Yeah. Yeah, those steps are a game changer, especially for aging parents or young kids or wives or anybody that doesn't want to deal with, you know, hauling all this stuff up a ladder or bad knees or backs or what we keep calling gear when what we really mean is snacks. <laughs> so anyway, but it's, I remember the first time I, I got a shooting house installed with nice steps and, and a veranda. My dad went up there and it was just, you could see the smile on his face something to behold and everybody appreciates it. All the kids always want to go to the nicest blind and you know, that kind of thing. It's a, something you don't really understand or appreciate until you have it. And then you, it's hard to ever go back. And Kevin, speaking of kids, you walk them out there and they look like Michelin man. Cause they've got so many layers on 
mom's always scared of them being cold, things like that. So, and where we are in the South, you know, we're either, it seems like we're 70 or 80 degrees or we're 10 degrees. We don't have a whole lot of just comfortable days. So insulation is a factor many times. And if we want to, you know, get the kids in there and, and let them get, take a few layers off inside these houses, I know some of them are insulated and some of them aren't. Is, is there like a breaking point in the country or, or, you know, average temperatures where you guys really recommend a, an insulated shooting house versus an insulated no, and the reason we don't is really just because what's cold to one person isn't necessarily cold to somebody else. You know, that's that's kind of up to you. I remember being a kid and just wearing out my dad's ears about being uncomfortable out in the woods, and I was hunting in South Alabama. And it was just, man, I'm cold. I want to go inside. Man, I'm cold. I want to go inside. And he'd be like, dude, we've been here for 30 minutes. Right. Calm down. So w- we do have, t- you know, the economy blinds. Uh, don't have any true insulation in them, but inside that blind is fully carpeted and that carpet helps with your noise reduction, but it also helps a little bit with your insulation. And if you keep all your windows and the door shut, then that's going to help keep your, your scent down, but it's also going to control your temperature pretty well. If you do that, you know, the kid is less likely to get uncomfortable. And if they do, you, you always have the option of taking like a little buddy heater out there with you if you need to. Our insulated blinds, they're a little bit bigger, but they also have two inches of foam insulation, the floor, the ceiling, all the walls, plus that um, pine interior. That helps a lot with your insulation. Typically, if you're going to be in an area where it snows, I'm going to tell you to try out the, the insulated blind just because I hate being cold. Absolutely hate it. So I would rather be, you know, overprepared than to be sitting there and be miserable because my toes are freezing. Talking about the carpeting and and you mentioned reducing noise. Is there anything else you do? I mean, one of the th- questions I have is like, seems like when something's new, you know, any anything. I'm talking tree stands, anything that's got moving parts to it. When it's new, it's quiet. But let it sit out in the woods for a few years, you know, and some of the parts may start to have a little bit of corrosion, things of that nature, and all of a sudden you start getting getting a squeak here or there. What do you guys do overall? to reduce noise, you know, in your blinds? So as mentioned, I've got the, the fully interior um, carpeted. And the reason that is, is, you know, like you guys have said, you guys have small children and stuff that go with you. Well, invariably they're going to drop something on the floor. And if you are in any box blind shooting house, whatever you want to call it, if you drop something on the floor and there's not something there to dampen that noise, it's going to echo. And it's definitely going to echo in the wee morning hours and right before uh, last light in the evening time. So that carpeted floor plus all the walls is going to help a lot. You got the carpeted floor inside the insulated blinds as well. Um, That's really and truly inside the blind is what's going to do most for you as far as noise reduction. Your tower itself, yes, it's put together with nuts and bolts. So you may have some uh, noise over time, but that's part of your annual making sure everything's good to go kind of stuff. I mean, it is, it is bolted. I mean, so it's not like you couldn't go in and apply some lubrication or tighten things up a little bit too. I I think a lot of times with wood construction, we find things starting to warp, starting to get out of square over time. And talking about that a little bit, the seems like the first thing that gets out of the square is the platform itself. You know, maybe, maybe you didn't tamp it in as good as you'd hoped when you were setting your posts or, maybe the wood is just starting to warp a little bit. So when it comes to actually anchoring your blinds and setting your blinds down, I mean, we actually had 
a guy in Alabama last year uh, get killed when his hunting blind was blown over. So what do y'all do to, to anchor these blinds in, in place? So underneath all of our blinds, there is a spot. Uh, some of them are a couple of holes drilled. Some of them are a couple of pieces of angle iron that are welded in place. And what you can do there is you can take an RV anchor, which is basically just some woven cable, uh, metal cable, and have a, basically a big corkscrew that drives into the ground in the dead center. And it'll pull the center of that blind down and that'll hold it in place pretty well. Um, some of your bigger blinds, uh, like your accommodators, because they are so big, they require you to pour a concrete slab and then you just anchor it into that concrete slab. Uh, some people choose to do that on some of the smaller blinds anyway, just for that extra little bit of safety. But other than that, I do know a lot of people that don't even anchor them to the ground because they are wide enough to where unless you've got some really strong winds, it's more than likely not going to go anywhere. Yeah. But I mean, I think you need to be think for folks that are in this market, they need to be thinking about the different options they've got for anchoring it down because I, you know, I mean, I think like if you're going to set it in the woods and you got a good bit of timber around you, you're not going to be dealing with winds like you would if you're putting it out on a hill in the middle of a clear cut, you know, where some of those straight line winds are going to be significant. I mean, I know we've had uh, blinds come back and had blinds that had blown over, you know, in a storm or in a hurricane or something like that. Uh, so it's definitely something to consider as far as how you're going to anchor it. Let's take a quick break. We're going to come back and talk about everything else you need to consider when it comes to looking at it and putting new shooting houses on your place. Uh, but y'all take a minute to check out some of the businesses that are making this podcast possible. Photonis Defense is proud to offer the PD Pro line of night vision systems. These ultralight, ultra-compact night vision systems deliver the cleanest image, best resolution, smallest, most transparent halo, and best overall performance and function of any night vision system available. Check them out. Photonis Defense, Masters of Darkness. And also brought to you by Alabama Farmers Cooperative has been serving gardeners, farmers, and everyone in between for 85 years. Visit www.alafarm.com for more information and to find a co-op near you. All right, before the break, we were talking all about construction and construction materials, uh, the type of construction you need to consider when you're thinking about shooting houses. And one of the things that I'm always thinking about, Kevin, is water damage because it seems like over the years when I've seen, you know, shooting houses that had to be torn down or replaced or, or had to be repaired. I don't, I don't know. I couldn't put a number on it, but I would say the majority of that was due to water, water coming in the windows, water coming through the roof, water causing wood to rot, causing nails and screws to corrode and break. So that to me is, is probably paramount when I think about longevity of a shooting house. And if I'm going to spend the money to get a nice shooting house, I want to make sure that this thing is sealed up tight. So what do you guys do for waterproofness? What do people need to consider and really be looking at as, as they're evaluating the shooting house they may purchase? Oh yeah. Exposure is huge. So uh, exposure is just being out there and you've got sun beating down on you all hours of the day. You've got, you know, wind and rain and stuff. You got, limbs and all that kind of stuff hitting the, this, the roof of the blind at all times. The way that we do it is, is our, every seam on, on the blind, even around the doors and windows and all that kind of stuff, we've got caulk. And the great thing about caulk is it's very easy to fix if anything happens to it. I actually had a customer at one time, had a, a tornado came through and knocked over his blind and he was able to stand it back up. And all he had to do was take a rubber mallet, bang it back out to make it look you know, presentable to him. And then he took some caulk and replaced five inches of caulk 
on uh, one of the seals at the top of it. One of the other things that we have on our blinds is um, we have rain guards around the windows and on the door. So it keeps the rain and snow and all that kind of stuff off of your windows when you're trying to hunt out there and it is actually raining, you know, you have less chance of obstructing your view because there's water on your window. You know, Kevin, you're talking about caulk. I, I would imagine that those seals, you know, that waterproofness also functions pretty well to make these blinds, you know, control your scent pretty well. I mean, for me, one of the things I'm always thinking about when I, when I choose to go to a shooting house is really, I mean, a lot of times I'm sitting in there in blue jeans and, you know, I mean, I'm not having to worry so much about camouflage. I'm not having to worry so much about scent if it's, a, if it's sealed. Uh, now, you know, most of the hunting blinds out there are not going to be sealed. So how does that play into scent control? I mean, do you find that it's covering up the majority of your scent when you're inside the blind? Absolutely. Um, so when you keep your windows closed or mostly closed and then the door is closed, I'm not going to sit here and tell you they're airtight. It's not a vacuum in there, but there's not as much wind moving in and out. So you don't have to worry about your scent quite as much. Now, taking scent into account anytime you're hunting is just a good idea. But if you're doing that as well as hunting out of one of these blinds, you're basically going to be invisible. Yeah. And I think too, like a lot of times, uh, it's not necessarily I'm trying to completely eliminate my scent. But if, I, if I'm inside a blind that's not letting out a ton of scent, I, I can get away on some of those marginal winds. You know, like if I know, hey, a north wind is perfect at this spot, well, that's great. What about a northeast? What about, an, or, uh, you know, uh, a northwest wind? Well, mm, might get busted, you know, on that northwest, but cutting down on scent is maybe what gets you the shot opportunity before everything goes haywire. Absolutely. Scent control is a big part of what I think about when I think about not only construction of a shooting house, but the placement of a shooting house. When I think back on just my career as a hunter, probably some of my very first memories were really hot days in August and September where my job was to climb up in the shooting house, open the door, wait for whatever kind of animal had been living in it for, you know, that year to come flying out or crawling out <laughs> maybe jump off that blind whenever that thing does come out of there and then get the wasp spray and the broom and start to clean that thing out does that process of waterproofing those blinds i mean are these things able to keep rodents and insects and you know flying creatures of all all sorts i know i've had owls in shooting houses, buzzards in shooting houses, flying squirrels in shooting houses. Uh, I mean, are you having any issue with, with animals getting in? No, not at all. So uh, it's like I said earlier, if you keep those the door closed and all your windows shut and locked in place, uh, they're essentially pest-proof. You don't have to worry about your wasps getting in there. You don't have to worry about squirrels chewing on uh, the walls and getting their way inside there, making nests, all that kind of stuff. So really and truthfully, they're, they're about as maintenance-free as you can get. You're just going to, whenever you leave, you close that door, you go home, you, you know, do your summertime chores, planting and mowing and spraying and all that kind of stuff. And then when you come back, you know, the beginning of season next year, you're not going to have to worry about opening that door to find a surprise. You're going to open that door and it's going to look just like the way you left it. For me, that's a big deal. I don't know about you, Clint. Did you, uh, did you get the opportunity to clean out some shooting houses in your day? Oh, we do it every year. I mean, it's on our work weekends. It's somebody or somebody's jobs to basically go around and set off a bomb in the shooting houses to nuke anything living in it. And then you come back the following day and you sweep everything out, you know, all the dead wasp and, and 
wood roaches and everything else that, that you didn't realize was in there until the the nuking happened and then it all fell out so it's you know it's pretty much a day day and a half process just to get them ready you know i had my mason that you've been hunt with a lot when he was little the first time he ever sat in a shooting house uh got stung by a wasp oh, no. and for the entire year we did not sit in another one we sat on the ground next to the shooting house <laughs> because he was scared to get in it again and really almost through the first month of the next season too and so needless to say uh I had a lot of afternoons in the in the fields where we got busted, you know, all because of one wasp that we didn't get out properly. You know, talking about chores with shooting houses, this time of year, like we said, is when you're getting into them, you're cleaning them out, you're repairing roofs, you're repairing walls, you're fixing stuff that's gotten out of square. The other thing you're doing a lot of times is moving them uh, because – man, you know, we just kept getting busted in that house last year. And it's really on the wrong side of the, on the wrong side of the food plot, or, you know, we need another house over here on this new clear cut, or there's lots of reasons why you end up moving your shooting house and the wood construction. I mean, it's tough to move those things around. You, you gotta have a team of people really to do it because you're having to get them out of the ground, lay them over a lot of times, get them on some kind of trailer. If you got a front end loader, I guess you can, can kind of sometimes get them up and move them, but then you got a big heavy thing. Kevin, what are you guys thinking about when it comes to actually being able to move these blinds around? What do you, what do you need to be able to install these blinds? What kind of options are out there for folks that maybe, you know, don't have a tractor and a front end loader or, or want to be mobile? You know, maybe they want to use the shooting house in multiple places throughout the year. You know, we have trailer blinds, so it's the same blind. It's just sitting on a trailer, and I've got options that are elevated or options that run just on the, the height axle of your, your trailer. And then we also have on our economy series blinds, you can replace the tower with skids. So it just looks like skis. They hook up to the bottom of it just where your tower would. You can drag them wherever you need to. Uh, obviously, some people can't have that happen because they you know have to go over water or something like that. It just won't work. Um, so that's why we do the trailer blinds, which have off-road tires on them. And then they're DOT certified. So you can ride down the road if you need to, if you're, you know, got a new lease and you're not sure if it's going to be a long-term lease, or if you just want to, you know, try at a new spot on the other side of the property, whatever, and you got to drive an hour or two to get there, you've got the ability to do that with these trailer blinds. Um, as far as assembling, uh, or moving them, once you've put the tower together, it's really, really simple to take the tower off and to re reattach it. I think I told you, I went to a show in Birmingham. I've been to a show down in Florida. I've been to a show in, in Huntsville this year. The, the World Deer Expo, the Tennessee Valley Hunt and Fishing Expo here in Alabama that I definitely went to. I put one of our blinds up on a, a five-foot tower. And, you know, they had a forklift that I can borrow there uh, to make it easier. So all it takes really truthfully is just to lift the thing up, take the shipping legs off, Put your tower together. It took me 30 minutes with, you know, one of the high school kids that was there helping out with everything. It took me 30 minutes to put that thing together. Uh, if I needed to move it, which I did because I had to take it apart, it took me 45 minutes to take it apart because I was by myself. So they're real easy to move. The best thing to have is going to be a tractor with a front end loader. Uh, if you don't have one, I would say probably borrow one. Some of our bigger blinds and the insulated blinds, you're going to have to have a pretty big tractor just because it's got more materials, more weight, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, and it depends on your tower height. If you got a really tall tower, it may be better to rent a lull uh, from you know United Reynolds or something like that just to, to get it out there because those got off-road tires most of the time. They can get a little higher off the ground than your front end loader could. Speaking of those towers, I mean, you mentioned 
those tall towers, what, what options are there? I always like to get as high as I can possibly get just cause I, it's just more fun to me to have that view. Then you can see a lot more. You can use them in areas where, you know, I mean, you sit on a food plot, you can see pretty well generally being on the ground. I kind of like to set my stands and set my shooting houses back off of a food plot a little bit, maybe give myself 50 yards of, of fallow land, you know, where I'm not right up on top of the food source and, a lot of times I like to hunt clear cuts or in young clear cuts, thin pines, that elevation is huge. So if somebody buys a, a blind that's not elevated, do they have the ability to convert to a tower later if they decide to do that? Absolutely. So whenever I'm talking to a customer about what they need, I typically ask them how big the food plot is, because obviously if you're running a ground blind and you're sitting on an eight acre food plot, you may not be able to see all of your corners effectively unless you elevate. And then if you've got a piece of property that has a, a good bit of topography, you're going to need to get up because you won't be able to see down every hill and holler and stuff around you. So on my economy series, I've got anywhere from five, eight and 12 foot on my insulated blinds. I've got five, 10 and 15, and I've got exceptions for my eight by eight insulated. And then my accommodator series, uh, the insulated could go up to 20 foot. And then the tallest tower that I know of for an accommodator thus far is a 25, but they also do custom stuff if you need to. Wow. That's amazing to think about being 25 feet up in a shooting house, you know, just <laughs> that'd be so much fun. You could really get up there and see what, what was uh, moving. And I like the idea of that, you know, what this all boils down to, I think a lot of people are in the market for shooting houses. The, the natural inclination I think is, you know, why, why would I spend more on a quote unquote high end shooting house when this is something that I could do in my driveway? You know, I could go down to the local home improvement store, get myself some treated lumber uh, and some aluminum and, you know, make myself a shooting house. Why would I want to do this? What, what do you think about that thought process, Kevin? That's a, that's a perfectly justifiable thought process, plain and simple. But whenever I buy anything, I try to do, you know, pros and cons list, cost benefit analysis, whatever it is you want to call it. You know, yeah, you're going to pay more up front, but a wooden blind is going to deteriorate significantly faster than a steel one would. I mean, our paint, just the paint on my blind is guaranteed for 20 years. So that 20 years with a wooden blind, more than likely, you're going to start to see things start to fail or warp or, you know, what have you. Whereas my blind is still going to look exactly like the blinds that I'm offloading off the truck every week. So with longevity in mind, you know, people think about, oh, it's, it's, you know, X number of dollars. Now I've got to take that out of my pocket right now. Okay. Well, how long are you going to use it? Cause if you pay a thousand dollars for something, but you get 20 years out of it, I mean, can you do $50 a year? Not only that, I just think about the experience over that period of time. When I think about hunting out of a shooting house, usually that's somewhere I go on the nastiest days. You know, if it's raining, mm -hmm. if it's super cold, or or I'm going there because I'm wanting to take someone who's new to hunting. Maybe it's a, a kid or spouse or, or a friend, and I want to be able to talk to them. I want to be able to move. I want them to be able to move a little bit more. And something like that, you're talking about having a much higher quality blind that this. I think you're going to want to go there more when you've got that on your place? You know, we've got all these clients. We look at all these high-end recreational properties that we're either selling or working for the buyers to locate and preview. And, you know, we've spoken a lot about how, 
you know, good management is evident and it gives good first impressions that somebody's really taking care of a property. And, you know, when you come into a, a track, you know, something that's several hundred acres or, or any size, and it's got nice stands, especially to this level, you know, it, it tells you right immediately that this person is investing in their property. So if they're willing to put this kind of shooting house out, what else have they done in terms of the, the herds, the uh, habitat management, timber management, things like that, you know, that you, you know they haven't cut any corners. And on top of that, you know, just being comfortable on your land, you spend all this money and effort to get these fields put in or these locations established that you want to hunt. Well, if you get out there and you're uncomfortable, then that's less time that you're going to stay there to hunt. Kids are uncomfortable. They're loud, smelly, whatever you can come up with when it comes to kids. You know, your wife's uncomfortable and cold. If you get a nice stand established, you can stay there all day or at least you know, four or five hours. That's just more time and opportunity you've got to take that big buck you've been chasing, you know, sometimes for years. So if you average all of these things out against your investments you've already got, I mean, it, it's just a, a no brainer to me that. You know, you don't want to skimp on something like this, you know, on, on top of the material longevity and the ease of installation and stuff like that. Your comfort and your enjoyment is, is really where you get the return out of it. You know, Clint, when I was planning this show out, I was thinking, eh, shooting houses, how much can there really be to talk about? And there's a lot to consider here. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Know? And it's, it's cool. I mean, I love that this is, is gotten better over the years and it continues to get better. Uh, Kevin, it sounds like y'all are thinking about everything that you can think about when it comes to making these blinds the best that you can make them. What did we miss today? What do we not talk about that folks need to consider? Uh, so one thing I kind of skipped over whenever we were talking about the blinds is, is our shelves. Some of our competitors kind of have a shelving unit that kind of sits in one corner or on one wall inside their blinds. Whereas, you know, ours, we have shelves all over the place. Uh, they kind of go along the entire inside of the, the blind. That way you don't have to worry about handing somebody, you know, your water bottle or, hey, put the binoculars over there on the, on the, the shelf or whatever. You've got access to a shelf wherever you end up inside that blind. You know, and some of the other products that we carry, um, you know, we, we obviously have blinds to fit anybody's need, whether or not you're a weekend warrior or if you're an outfitter, we've got something for everybody, uh, any price range, really and truthfully. And then we also have feeders. So we've got corn feeders, we've got protein feeders, we've got fish feeders. Again, they're all made of steel. They're built to last. They're high capacity. And one of the best things about them is they're not high off the ground. A lot of our competitors put stuff you know, a couple of feet off the ground, they put them on tripods and all that kind of stuff to, to get them to be able to throw further uh, in a big diameter around the feeder. Whereas ours throw with a similar diameter, but the highest one that I have is 52 inches off the ground. So you can fill each one of them with two feet firmly on the ground. You don't have to climb up in the back of your side by side or the back of the truck to fill them up. You don't have to lift heavy bags or buckets over your head to fill them. Everything with MB Ranch King is all about safety. And the other cool stuff is all of my feeders come with a solar panel. They all come with a battery and they're all on skids. So you can drag them wherever you need to. You don't have to pick them up. You don't have to, they, they come assembled. So you don't have to worry about putting your legs in place by yourself. You just drag it wherever you want to fill it up, call it a day. 
Yeah, I don't I don't know what you're talking about, man. I think one of the most fun parts of hunting is is taking big risks, you know, like standing on the edge of your side by side, one foot on a feeder, one foot on the side by side, holding a fifty pound bag of corn over your head. I mean, that's that's the reason I go, you know. So, and trying to shoot at a pig. Right. <laughs> yeah. But man, uh, you know, I, I do appreciate you joining us today and, and taking us through everything we need to need to consider because this like we mentioned in the beginning of the show, this is something that will add value to your land, not only add value from a, from a resale standpoint, but also help in the marketability of your property. I've had people that have, have literally just, just gone bananas over the fact that there were nice shooting houses already in place. That was just one, one less thing they had to do. There's a lot of folks out there that are really just looking for that turnkey option and having shooting houses in place that are good quality. It's not something that they're having to take over somebody else's problem just helps them make the decision that much quicker a lot of times of whether or not they're going to buy this place. So Kevin, if folks want to get up with you, look at some of the construction that we've talked about today, what's the best way for them to check out MB Ranch King blinds? If they want to get in contact with you and get pricing information, delivery information, any of these kind of questions, how should they reach out to you guys? So the best way to do it really truthfully is just to, uh, you can either go to MB Ranch King's website, uh, you can go to bruiserfarms.com. Uh, they can, we've got information on, on that website with all the blinds and feeders. Uh, we've got a little bit of information on the cabin. So like you were saying, turnkey ready, uh, you know, kind of want to show up and, and see a place that's well manicured. We've got cabins that are turnkey ready. They get delivered. All you got to do is set up your plumbing and then your electric and you're done. Same construction. They've got six inches of insulation throughout the interior um, built to steel. You can put a, porch on the front. You can put a deck on the back. Uh, they got all kinds of different sizes. Everything in it is customizable. You can put granite countertops in there, a marble shower if you want it. And those, they've got all kinds of floor plans, but everything's customizable. You can move windows and doors, stuff around as much as you want. But uh, if you got any questions for me, you can, you can call me. My cell phone number is 205-807-2937. Or you can shoot me an email at kevink at truckworks.com. And truckworks is T-R-U-C-K-W-O-R-X.com. And I can get you any information that you need. I can get you quotes, pricing, potential delivery costs, all that kind of stuff. All right, Kevin. Well, thanks again for joining us, man. And and thanks to, uh, you know, Bruiser Farms and MB Ranch King for being a sponsor of this podcast. You know, you guys are a big part of the reason why we're able to to bring this content to everybody for free. So we appreciate your involvement. Absolutely. I appreciate you having me. Had a fun. Clint, we talk a lot on here about land ownership and taxes. And a lot of the hangups people have with certain purchases is just the, the purchase price. But a lot of these things are tax deductible. Yeah. There's um, you know, a lot of ways that you can write improvements like this off your property, you know, either from an entertainment side or uh, capital improvement side, you know, just a lot of, uh, ways that really, you know, if you're already buying a nice, you own a nice property, you're trying to fix it up, you're most likely already in the top tax bracket anywhere in the upper tiers. So, you know, it's essentially uh, anywhere from a 25 to 45% coupon, uh, to buy some of these nicer shooting houses. And a lot of people don't realize that until they really explore it with their tax professional. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's one of the fun ways of one of the fun parts about land ownership is some of the things that, that used to be expenses are, are now legitimate tax write-offs and ways to, uh, 
save some money uh, that way too. And uh, a lot of folks need it as we're getting closer to the end of the year, uh, looking for different ways to do it. This is definitely one way. Certainly want to consult your your tax professional and, and make sure you're on the up and up, of course, but it's definitely out there, out there for the taking. But uh, folks, I hope y'all enjoyed this show and it's going to help you if you're thinking about some new shooting houses on your place, uh, hunting blinds, whatever you want to call them, depending on where you are in the country. But hope you guys will stay safe out there, whatever you're doing on your land. You know, like Kevin was saying, that's the most important thing. Stay safe out there. Don't take any unnecessary risks. Make sure you come come back home uh, and, and get back out there another day to enjoy it. Wear your dadgum safety harnesses if you're getting off the ground this time of year. But that's going to do it for us this week. Appreciate you joining us. We want to make it easy for you to listen. So here's a handy option for you to get the podcast emailed to you each week. Just text the word hunting to 773-770-4377. Again, just text the word hunting to 773-770-4377. You'll join our email list and wherever you are listening to podcasts, go ahead, subscribe, rate, and review. Send us a written review. We'd love to hear from you. If you've got a show topic, that you are interested in and like to see us cover, just email us at pros at landhunting.com. That's going to do it for us. Y'all stay safe out there. We'll talk to you next time. This week's Hunt Land podcast has been brought to you by Bucks Island Marine. They have new pontoon boats, bass boats, bow riders, and aluminum boats for sale. They provide boat service on all kinds of boats, even if they weren't purchased from Bucks. You can visit them at 4500 Highway 77 in Southside, Alabama, or give them a call at 256-442-2588. And also, the Hunting Exchange. Buy and sell your hunting gear securely online. PayPal-protected purchases, no hidden charges, listings are free head over to the app store or google play and download the hunting exchange app today and also sun south if you own a tractor you don't want to miss the parts extravaganza sale going on at sun south with 20 percent discount on oem parts for one through five series tractors and their older versions program is both across the counter and through the shop maximum of $400 in discounts. Discount does not apply to attachments, oil, or loader parts. One discount per machine. For all of your equipment needs, go see the folks at SunSouth. Equipment for those that do. Some restrictions apply. See dealer for details. Expires August 31st, 2021. And also brought to you by Brush Clearing Services. Check out their full line of property and land services at brushclearingservices.com or call them at 706-718-1690. And also brought to you by the Alabama Ag Credit. As the local experts in rural real estate financing, they can help you with everything from homes and land to tractors and crops. Because sometimes natural resources need financial resources. And while some lenders don't get it, they do. Learn more by visiting alabamaagcredit.com.